This morning, I want to speak to you briefly and shortly because we need to pray. As we close off and seal seven days of fasting, seven days of seeking the Lord, seven days of doing the fast that the Lord has chosen. You know, if you read Isaiah 58, and I know Pastor Adrian taught on that in the week, you'll see 15 blessings that come for doing the fast that the Lord has chosen. Seven days of seeking the Lord, seven days of searching our souls and repenting before God and consecrating ourselves. Seven days of sharing our bread with the hungry and clothing the naked. You know, I want to encourage you, the, the money you would have spent if you were eating these seven days should be sown as a fasting seed. What we've done in Edenvale, many people have been moved to buy grocery vouchers from different grocery outlets, and sow that fasting seed. I realize some people how much they really spend on lunch. <laughs> it ranged from 750 rands over the week right up to 2,000 rand. I said, Yoo! I wonder what my friend is eating over the week. But I do know people put extra and trust God. But I will realize in the fast that, look, you can do better with less. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you can do better with less. When God's blessing is on your life, you don't need that mountain. You can do better with less. You can do better with less. Job 23, 12, Job says to the Lord, I have treasured your word even more than necessary food. That means food is secondary. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you put the word first over these seven days of fasting and prayer. Tell them you look good. I can see you've shed some kilos. Praise God. You look good. Come on, say, keep it up this year. Let there be no other strange explosions, but only the glory of God, only the grace of God, only the greatness of God and growth. Hallelujah. When you shed some weight, some sickness and diseases will leave you. You don't have to bind no demons. Just leave the calories behind. I haven't started yet. I'm just still circling here to see when do I take off. Praise the Lord. Overseer Meldon says, Pastor, just be careful. Don't run. I wanted to run in the praise and worship, man. I wanted to run in the praise and worship. Come on, let's appreciate the praise and worship team. What a powerful ministry team. Thank you, guys. Thank you for ministering so powerfully. We're going to pray, so we're going to seal the fast today. So I want to share the word with you briefly, and then we're going to spend some time praying and sealing. You know, you're breaking your fast at 6. Pastor Adrian phoned me. We reflected on it, and he briefed me to let you know without confusion, 6 p.m., you break fast. No meeting here at the church, but we, you break fast at 6. And how many of you know your lead pastor says, you break fast at 6 no shortcuts. Those of you who, pray, who are taking shortcuts, we're not praying for you. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. By the way, he's just doing that to challenge us so we can push through. What a powerful song. I'm going to cross the line. Woo. I'm going to cross the line to follow him. I'm not going to go with what's comfortable or convenient. I'm going to do what is courageous. Amen. So in this fast, expect the glory of God. Expect His grace, His greatness, and His growth to overflow in your life. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Matthew 17. Matthew 17, reading verse 14 to 21. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. 
this is a portion of scripture about the boy with seizures that was healed, that Jesus healed. Reading verse 14 to 21. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Someone say prayer and fasting. Now the title of today's message, if you would, is Fast and Fruitful. Not fast and furious, fast and fruitful, all right? God wants us when we fast, we fast unto fruitfulness and see God's hand produce in our lives. It is God's plan that we become successful, that we prosper in what we do, that we be fruitful in every arena of our lives. You see, fasting is a physical discipline in the Bible for spiritual purposes. It is when you place a demand on the flesh In order to reap a dividend in the spirit. You have to put a demand on the flesh that clutters your understanding, your focus. Fasting is a powerful weapon when coupled with prayer to achieve the impossible and see breakthroughs in our lives. Fasting helps us discipline the flesh and draw near to God. It allows our spirit to rise in ascendancy over the demands of the flesh. Our spiritual capacity and capabilities are enhanced. They are enlarged and they are empowered. They are brought to the forefront to prominence. It helps us, fasting helps us to break limitations that we face individually and corporately. It breaks addictions and bondages. Now when we look in the Bible, we have great testimony of great men and women who fasted. Moses fasted before receiving the Decalogue, the commandments of the Lord. David fasted for his sick child, uh, his son. Elijah fasted, escaping the, the, the vicious attack of Jezebel. Ezra fasted to exit uh, honorably out of captivity of Babylon into Jerusalem, the place of peace. Nehemiah fasted before rebuilding the walls. Esther fasted for the saving of a nation and deterred a slaughter of men and women and children. Daniel fasted for answers to his prayers. Anna fasted in the temple for the revelation of the Messiah. 
Jesus, our Lord and Savior, our King, fasted before launching his ministry in the power of the Spirit. Paul fasted after his road of Damascus conversion and launching into the prophetic Pauline revelation that we read in the New Testament. Cornelius fasted, who was the man of the Italian regiment for the salvation of his family. Leaders in the book of Acts fasted before launching into missions. So fasting is very important. If you want to be a powerful believer, you've got to fast. You have to make time to fast. It should not be just on the start of the year. Can you sense that when you fast, the atmosphere seems to change? Something seems to break through. Things that were dead and dormant seems to come alive. Well, don't let it be a once-off in the beginning of the year. Every month, set aside time to fast. And that which is called upon by the house, commit yourself into that corporate announced fast. And see God release an explosion, an eruption of His presence in your life. And see the vision of the house fulfilled in your life and in the church. I believe God is doing a mighty work. I believe God is doing great and mighty things. In Edenvale, during the time of fasting, one gentleman was healed of chronic back problems without being prayed for, just being in prayer and fasting in the service. And then on Sunday at the second service, as I was ministering, the prophetic anointing was released, which I sensed earlier while we were worshiping, that I, stood, I could not preach in the second service. I just flowed in the Spirit and we prayed. And God said, pray for the unemployed. And as they came forward and we prayed and released them back to their seats, the Lord said, I should tell the church that your miracle is sitting right here in the place. Little did I know that there was an employer in the service who then spoke to one of the gentlemen that came to the altar and called him up to send his CV to him. Then the gentleman phoned me and said, Pastor, who is that man that was in front with no hair that you prayed for to get a job? So I told him who the name was and he said, Pastor, I've asked him to send me his CV. Tell me about him. I said, I, I can't tell you much. He's new, but I am working with him and we're walking the journey and discipling him. He said, Pastor, I'll interview him. I said, you go ahead and follow due process accordingly. Well, to cut a long story short, he was interviewed and he was given the job. And, and so the employer sent me a message, Pastor, I've employed him. And then the gentleman sent me a message, Pastor, I got a job. So God is faithful. Let me tell you, your miracle is sitting, could be sitting right here. So be nice to the person on your, on your left and on your right and behind you. You might be sitting next to somebody who can connect you to something. you be the next millionaire. Don't look down on the people you worship with. You know, and don't worship with people you don't know. Don't just stand there and don't greet the people. It's dangerous to close your eyes with people you don't know around you. I know some of you don't close your eyes in worship. I know because you don't know the people in your row. So just stretch forth and say, hey, what's your name there? I was worried about you this morning. I'm just teasing. All right, just teasing. Don't close your eyes in church if you don't know the person sitting next to you. Go up to them and say, what, what's your name? What's your name? When we look at the text... And we see the boy being healed. While searching the Lord for the word today, this hit me for the first time. The boy being healed. The boy. What does the boy represent? What does it mean to be a boy? You see, much of our hope and, 
and, and, and much of our hope and desire for the future is locked up in our children. Somehow a son and daughter are the expression of the deepest sense we have an ability to love unconditionally. We love them so much we want the best for them. We'd give them the world if we could, the universe. We want everything for them. Our children are actually the, the, the beacon of light of our continuity and our legacy. Every man and every woman wants their children to be the best they can be. And here we see a father whose son, whose hope, whose, whose strength has been hit with this demonic force that caused severe seizures. And so this man's hope was, was shattered and challenged. Locked in our children is our legacy and our future. You, you've got to love your children. You've got to give them all that they need to be all they should be. And discipline is one of the things they need to be all that they need to be. And when your child is sick and, and your child is facing these problems and you have no one to help you. You know, I, I love this father who went to Jesus. He went to church, if I can put in today's language. Because he went to Jesus' disciples and he said to the Lord, I'm disappointed that your disciples could not heal him. How many times do people come in church thinking they'd receive from God, but maybe they don't because we sometimes are the block to them receiving their miracle. How we treat them when they walk through the door. Well, before that, how they even come to the car park. Mm. Mm. How they walk through the door. How we see them to the seat. How we minister to them. I was speaking to one gentleman. And uh, they, I, I phoned them. I said, did you see that young person in church? They said, yes, pastor, I saw them. I said, actually, I was shocked they came to church because I know them growing up. We were so naughty together. I said, so did you reach out to them? Did you talk to them? He said, no, Pastor, I asked them, what are you doing here? <laughs> now, I had to subdue my flesh. I'm fasting and praying for people to come. And you ask them what you're doing here? I said, I want to ask you, what are you doing here? I think that question applies to all of us. What are you doing here? Well, well, I thank God that when I followed up that young man, I said to him, hey, do you know so-and-so? He said, yeah, we grew up together. We were naughty. He said, Pastor, I was surprised he was sitting in the front row. <laughs> I said, isn't God wonderful? I said, he was just as surprised you were in church and you surprised that he's in church. Isn't God amazing? Look who's sitting here today. But this, this boy represented his father's hopes and when you understand when you understand uh, ancient oriental customs a lot rested upon the son he had privileges given to him and responsibilities in the in the jewish uh, family his religious life began at the fourth year and then he was expected to learn the scriptures at five the mishnah at 10 and to fulfill the whole law at 13 at 12 years, he was expected to learn a trade and attain to something of independence at that age. Though he did not become, uh, have full rights as a citizen until he was 20. But among many nations, when a son is born, great joy is, is, is celebrated. There's even the planting of a cedar tree on such an occasion. So the father's hopes were really shattered 
when he saw his son going through this challenge. So the boy, if I could give you four things that the boy represents and how Jesus healed and dealt with all these four that we might see in our lives. Would that be all right? Just four things. Number one, the boy speaks of the weakness of the flesh. Speaks of the weakness of the flesh. Immature, still growing, but he speaks of the, witness, the weakness of the flesh. Number two, the boy speaks of the curse in family and offspring. The curse in family and offspring. Number three, the boy speaks of shattered hopes of the future. His condition speaks to us about that. And then number four, the boy speaks of the looming dread of unfruitfulness. But here's the good news. Jesus heals the boy. I don't know about you. I get excited about that. But Jesus heals the boy. There's deeper meaning to this healing. It's not just a boy getting healed. It is Jesus answering these questions and concerns and these looming uh, dark clouds over this family. Notice in verse 21, Jesus says, However, this kind does not go except by prayer and fasting, meaning fasting is a secret ingredient when mixed with prayer and faith will shift things that do not change otherwise. Fasting is a catalyst that will bring about a change and will break through these bondages and limitations we might find ourselves in. We notice that when Jesus heals this boy, he didn't say, wait, let me go fast and then come back. Jesus lived a fasted life. Jesus was fast and furious. And fast and fruitful. Jesus stood against the works of Satan. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, it says, For this reason was the Son of Man made manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And so Jesus steps in here, and of course he reprimands them. He says, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Meaning, when will you learn to operate in these things? So Jesus expected them to be able to heal him. And we need to learn that fasting helps us. So here are four things that then answer these four challenges where fasting is concerned. If you would, write them down. Number one, fasting subdues the flesh. Fasting subdues the flesh. Number two, fasting brings blessing to the family. Fasting brings blessing to the family. Number three, Fasting impacts the future. Fasting impacts the future. Number four, fasting unlocks fruitfulness. Fasting unlocks fruitfulness. Let's just go briefly into, the fir- into these briefly. Number one, fasting subdues the flesh. Galatians 5, 16 to 26. We'll read together. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things you wish but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law now the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery fornication uncleanness lewdness idolatry sorcery Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, 
selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I, as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have what? Crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. There's so much said there by the Apostle Paul. But very clear. You'll notice that the works of the flesh are evident. But so is the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is evident. What you walk in will become evident in your life. You cannot hide or pretend. If you walk in the flesh, then the works of the flesh will manifest. All right? And you can't make excuses. It's my personality. No, it's the works of the flesh. But when you walk in the Spirit, then the fruit of the Spirit will become evident. When you walk in the flesh, we will see the works manifesting and become evident over time. But when we walk in the Spirit, we will see the fruit of the Spirit become evident. That means when people see you and you walking in the Spirit, then they can receive love from you. When they see you, they'll receive joy from you. They'll receive goodness and kindness and they'll receive gentleness and meekness. They'll receive faithfulness and they'll be self-control. Someone say self-control. Gentlemen, let me say it again. Not remote control, self-control. Control. Now, when our desires control us, the works of the flesh is in manifest. When we can't say no to certain appetites and desires, we find ourselves overwhelmed. And so our Christian life and our Christian testimony as an example of being Christ-like is on the stand and under jeopardy. But when we walk in the Spirit, then the fruit in the Spirit arises and the works of the flesh are put under. Someone say, Amen. So how do you stay out of adultery? Walk in the, in the spirit. How do you stay out of all these other things? Idolatry, sorcery, murders, jealousy, strife, uh, uh, being conceited, provoking, envy. How? By walking in the spirit. Fasting has an open door for you to learn how to cross the line into the spirit where your eyes become open and your spiritual desires runs to the top that you stand for what God. Suddenly what God desires and what you desire become one and so God supernaturally by his power enables you to be like Jesus because that's what we are called to be. Romans 8 tells us we have been called and predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. When he created man, he said, I want man to be in my image and my likeness. When God looks at you, he's looking to see how much of him he can see in you reflected back. God wants you to be a mirror. He wants when he looks at you, you look like him. Some of you know my eldest son, Nathaniel. You know, I pride myself in saying he looks like me. Because when he walks over there, I think, man, do I look like that? 
And he says, Dad, you got no six-pack. I said, don't worry, son. It's undercover. Praise the Lord. There's a purpose for that. Praise the Lord. He says, Dad, you need to go to the gym. So he's my personal coach. But one thing I love about it is that when I look at him, he's a reflection of me. Here's the thing. Not only in the good things is he a reflection of me. Mm. Ooh. You can pretend, you can be on a pedestal, but your children reflect who you are. And, and sometimes him and I have to have some talks. And I say, son, I know about this. You know why? Because you're just like me. I did the same thing. But let me show you how God helped me to deal with these things. How many of you know that at 18, I mean, your hormones are Mark two and your hair's on fire. Like Samson, he had so much testosterone, he could jumpstart a dead elephant, praise God. Don't act so holy, take that halo off. You got the flesh sitting right here in the chair. And while I'm talking, you want to move. Say, pastor, move on to the next point. No, I'm not moving right here. Fasting helps us to subdue the flesh because the flesh gets us into trouble. The flesh controls our mind. The flesh will lead us astray. We'll die and go to hell and not inherit the kingdom. And grace is not a license to stay in the flesh. On the contrary, grace is the power that enables you to operate in the spirit. So that when you do miss it, God says, get back, get back, get back, get back, get back, get back. And you get back right on. You got God on your side coaching you. The Holy Spirit telling you what to do. And Jesus saying, come on, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. Though his body would feel pain, he paid the price for your spirit to rise. The Bible says we have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live not I, but Christ in me. And now the life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Let's move right along. Let's make a confession of faith as we move. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for the fruit of the Spirit. I am set free from the works of the flesh. In Jesus' name. Amen. Second point, fasting brings blessing to the family. When Jesus healed this boy and he attributed fasting as the secret ingredient to get this done, the healing of the boy brought peace to the home, brought hope for the future, and brought honor to the family name. In ancient times, a father was known by his son's name. Aniasmus. My father... He's called by my name. Even in, in, in African culture, they call him Ubabaka Manuel. What does that mean? Manuel's father. You know? So I'd say to my dad, you're named after me, dad. <laughs> but then he'll come back at me and say, yeah, so how you behave really matters and reflects on me. You see, this, this stick will remind you who you represent. Don't worry, it's not abuse, it's discipline. Don't you think I came out right? I'm alive, I'm okay? Praise God. Hey, that Portuguese uncle could give a hiding. Yo. Here is the father receiving his son whole. It means so much to him. 
Fasting was the secret ingredient that restored this blessing to the family. We also see an example of fasting bringing blessing to the family with Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. If you read 1 and 3, when he was fasting, the angel appeared to him and then told him to fetch Peter. Not coincidentally, but divinely orchestrated. Peter on the other side was fasting. Waiting, and then he saw the sheet come down. Through fasting came the revelation that non-Jews could also be saved to Peter. Peter suffered from prejudice. Peter suffered from, uh, from racism. He, struck, he struggled. He couldn't understand how non-Jews could get saved. In Acts chapter 10, it's estimated 10 years the church is in full swing. Peter still struggled. When he learned even by revelation, there was one time he misbehaved in Paul's presence. When he was with everybody, he was fine. Hey, how's it, my bro? We okay? Everything's okay. As soon as a company of Jews came, he started uh, moving away and standing in a corner. And Paul called him out and said, why were you friends with us before the other Jews showed up? You are you prejudiced. And Peter had to repent. What changed? What started changing Peter's prejudice? He was in fasting and he got a revelation. But since he was fasting, it connected him with Cornelius who was fasting. And so he was summoned to come and experience an outpouring of the Spirit for Gentiles to be saved. Today we sit here and we owe it to Acts chapter 10, which was cat. What cat it was a cat. It was. Uh, let's rewind. <laughs> My words got stuck around, you know, my eye tooth. The catalyst to that was fasting. Look at your neighbor say, fasting does amazing things. Brings blessings to family. As you step over the seven days of fasting, expect blessings in your home. Expect things to change. Expect your household to rise. Expect your children to rise to the highest place. Let the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich come upon your household. Number three, fasting impacts the future. That is, when we fast, fasting will usher significant change. It will bring a spiritual movement to major reform. Things will shift for the one who fasts. Things are aligned for the ones who fast. Direction and guidance comes to those who fast. Strategy is shared in the place of fasting. Eyes are open to see in fasting. Divine secrets are revealed. Isaiah 58, 11 says, the Lord will lead you continually. Number four, and we're going to get ready to pray. Fasting unlocks fruitfulness. Fasting unlocks fruitfulness. Notice what it says in Isaiah 58, 11 and 12. The second part of 11 says, You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you, Siloam, those from among you, not anywhere else, those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. I love what Elder Nigel said, that it's not your well only, it will minister to generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach and restorer of streets to dwell in. God is saying, when you fast the fast that I've chosen, you shall be like a watered garden that is fruitful, lush and green and productive. You shall be like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And you are going to build, you are going to rebuild, you're going to establish foundations for generations, and you're going to repair and restore. I hope that this short word has encouraged you in what fasting is meant to do.